You're listening to Fakeologist Audio Chat. This is a new and exciting way to communicate with fellow fakeologists from all over the world. Each day we compress and post the day's audio into a file that can be big or small. Discover new voices and ideas that talk about media fakery like you never did before. Please search for Fakeologist Audio Chat and Fakeologist Main Show on your favorite podcast app. To connect to our always on and always streaming audio chat, go to fakeologist.com forward slash audio chat. To listen to the live stream, go to fake11.com forward slash radio 2. Now, on with the audio chat. You are in the you heard the little button? Yep. We're recording. It said we're recording. So we're recording on Monday, February 27th, 2023. This is the live stream with Fakeologist and Peter Wright, a famous past guest of the Fakeologist show. Well, thanks very much for <coughs> listening to me once more. This is going to be a very quick, short one, and it's an update on the medical system or health system in or lack thereof in Canada. <coughs> so oh, I'd love just- to hear it. Just before Christmas, my co-host Kathleen, her elderly mother, mid mid eighties, had chronic back pain. Long story. Anyway, took her to emergency quite early in the morning, and then left her there because we had our own podcast episode to record. Uh, went back in the afternoon after something like six hours, and her mother had been seen by one doctor and one nurse and told to wait. And Kathleen stayed with her. And cut a long story short, it was she was twenty hours at the hospital. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey folks, Alex Jones here, but I'm not scaring the pants off you trying to get you to buy some storable food or some seeds. I'm listening to Fakeologist Radio. Listen now at Fakeologist.com today. By your advert. Okay. Oh, that's an advert. I, I didn't even hear the advert start. No, I, I heard it. Okay. Anyway, not a problem. So, so 20 hours and uh, not a lot of relief, but there were some follow-ups and, and she's now feeling a bit better. So at about the same time, my young son, who was uh, refused permanent residence in Canada because he didn't have a university degree and was in his mid-40s and probably yeah. because and of the... And he's, and he's from uh, South Africa and he's white, yeah. That's exactly. So he went back to, and he invested uh, close on half a million dollars here in the, when he was trying to come. We started a company, the whole deal, bought, he bought a... A house for cash. Anyway, he went back to Zimbabwe. Half a million? That's, yeah. that's half yeah. a million is the normal amount that they let people in, no yeah. matter what, especially well, from Asia. They said the system had changed. He no longer qualified on the points. So after oh. he'd already, months, months after we sold all the equipment and he left and went back to Zimbabwe, we got a letter saying, ah, oh, we, we've had a look. We, we probably will get him permanent residence, but he's got to do this, that, and the next thing. So we just wrote back and said, well, it's too late. You know, he was here for 18 months and uh, you didn't give wow. him permission. Anyway, at, at the same time, the same time that my uh, colleague Kathleen's mother was 20 hours in emergency in Zimbabwe, my son's daughter, my granddaughter, who was, I think she's five or six, was running a temperature fever. So and this was on a Saturday evening. 
So they were a little worried about her. So they phoned the village hospital, and it's it's a small village in third world Zimbabwe, but it has a small private hospital. They phoned the hospital and said, um, worried about our daughter. And the nurse on duty says, there's been a lot of malaria around just here. It might be malaria, and that's dangerous. Bring her in, and we'll test her. So they shot into the hospital. And they tested her for malaria. The nurse was waiting for them. No waiting time at all. Negative, no malaria, but we're a bit worried about this high fever. We'll call your doctor who lives not far away. The doctor got there, checked the child, said, I think it's a virus that's going around. Don't worry about it, but she needs some medicine. Here's a prescription, but because it's after hours, the pharmacy in the village will be closed, so we will dispense it from the hospital dispensary. Here you are. Here's your medicine. They were on their way home in 30 minutes. Third world world Zimbabwe, right? Yes, Mm. They pay medical insurance and it costs them around 400 US dollars a month for a family of four. Um, but if they are seriously ill, they will be flown by helicopter to South Africa for whatever emergency operation they require. So there's a, I thought you might be interested in that little story. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's to be expected. We've heard the story many times before. I'm not going to comment on America, but I know with private insurance, sometimes you get much better service over there. But uh, that may have changed in the last three years, as we it know, may, things are it, really it may have done upside down. When when I lived in both Rhodesia as it was and in South Africa and then back in Zimbabwe, although it wasn't as good after Zimbabwe, we had a two-tier system where poor people, predominantly the the tribal and lower-income black people, got free medical at government hospitals. And it was like we have here, quite a lot of waiting, not always get the surgery you wanted on in time, but they had treatment. Um, anyone who was earning a salary could afford medical insurance had access to both the government and private hospitals and uh, got first-class treatment. The Because South Africa did not allow any um, or very little medical litigation, so you, you could not sue a doctor because you didn't like the shape of your scar. He, he really had to leave the forceps inside your abdomen before you could sue him. So the, yeah. co- the cost of medical insurance for doctors and specialists was was very low and therefore the cost of medical Services was low, so our insurance was – we didn't even think about the amount we paid for insurance. It was not significant, right? And it worked oh, well. I understand, yeah. The mm-hmm. 2CS system worked very well. So, anyway, that was just uh, an update on medical since we last spoke. Yeah, like I said, it's to be expected. We uh, understand that our medical system is being targeted for destruction, and that may not be a bad thing. Oh, yeah, sure. But they're not done yet. No. Nope. I, I, I don't know if I've said it to you before, but I, I figured with the baby boomers crashing the system over the next few years as they go into their 80s, it's going to, because it's unsustainable, and I hate to use that word because it's an Agenda 21 SDG word, <laughs> but because it's not sustainable, it's going to be it's going to have to be crashed. Yep and rebuilt and rationed even more. And that's what they're trying to bring in or going to bring in. I don't see any opposition to it really. So Yeah. I don't have any I don't have any alternate solutions alternate solutions to what they're doing, but I, I do understand the rationale because they say we can't afford it. 
if we spend more than half of our budget on healthcare and education, or maybe it's just healthcare now, it, I don't even understand the finances anymore because I think they've just been let loose where nothing matters anymore when it comes to balancing budgets and finance. So it's all out the window at this t- at this point, three years later after the whole coronavirus yep. hoax, hoax event. Yeah, but they can send tanks to Ukraine. Of course. Well, we're only sending four. And then I'm sure they all need a major engine. <laughs> they probably need major overhauls. It's always been tokenism for Canada, but ever since Harper wanted to get us more involved in world military affairs, it seems like we're doing more, but I don't think, even if they were operational, these tanks, I'm sure they're not going anywhere because they probably can't find anyone to drive them. So, I, to me, it's all theater anyway. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Uh, it, even yeah, if the if the tanks ever get there in the first place, but the point is yeah. that whether whether it's tanks or not, our government is spending money on the Ukraine when it should be spending money on people in Canada, right? On on, on people at home. And that that's the crazy part. Yes, we should probably be re, re, redistributing wealth within Canada. Yep. The government, as we know, doesn't have any money. <laughs> it's all our, it's all our uh, as fellow citizens' money that's redistributed by the government in so-called in a so-called equitable manner. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I never think of the government having money, but no. yeah, okay, they they like to redistribute wealth. I get I get it, and most yep. Canadians are okay with that as long as it seems reasonable and fair. And well, somebody else, somebody else's wealth, as long as it's somebody else's wealth, largely that's being redistributed to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't anyway. Even, I don't even, the, the whole value of money has just disappeared. And that's why I'm looking at other currencies and storages of, of, of wealth. And, uh, whether or not that's the right thing to do, I can't be sure, but it's, Wise to hedge one's bets just in oh. case, just a little bit, I think. Oh, absolutely. No, you are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Good. How do you, how do you transfer, if you wanted to transfer money to say Rhodesia, and I'm just yeah. asking this on a practical point of view, how do you get money to Rhodesia or how does Rhodesian money, could that get to Canada? How does that work? Uh, well, it's it's virtually valueless. You know, they keep revaluing and putting it back on par with the U.S. dollar. And I think the last time they did that was 18 months ago. And last week it was already 300 Zimbabwe dollars to the U.S. dollar. So everyone there also tries to hedge. So my son, when he sold his house here in Canada, he invested that money in Canada in Canadian dollars and went back to Zimbabwe. So he has money outside the country. And he can sit, and if he needs a bit of cash within the country, he can just do a deal with somebody and say, well, I'll pay you Canadian dollars and I'll transfer them to your UK bank account and you pay me Zimbabwe dollars in in Zimbabwe and they agree on a rate. So my son gets money to spend there. The person in Zimbabwe who wants money outside the country gets hard currency outside the country. That goes on all the time. So US dollars is what? 300 is about Canadian dollars. US dollars are Canadian dollars that he so he tries to put a lot of his assets into that just to hold the value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Either way, they have a system in Zimbabwe because they are so short of foreign currency 
that if you use your own foreign currency, let's say for a farmer to buy diesel, say my son wants to buy some diesel, uh, he will use, and he if he's export, no, let's turn it around. If he's exporting something, he's allowed to keep a percentage of the proceeds from that export in US or whatever dollars he wants or pounds, and then use that to buy some diesel to bring into the country. But it's only a percentage. The rest, the bulk of it has to go to the government to uh, pay corrupt politicians and other things that governments need to do with hard currency. So it's the whole thing is a total farce. So how um, would you send him a – How would you? So, so if you want to send him your son value, you'd send him American dollars from here or Canadian no, dollars? No, no we'd, we'd never send dollars into the country. We would find somebody who uh, – who wanted American dollars in America or Canada or UK. Let's say you were trying to accumulate pounds in England, for example. So I would say, well, my son needs, but you have family in Zimbabwe who are sitting on quite a lot of Zimbabwe dollars. So I would say to you, my son needs a hundred thousand Zimbabwe dollars, which is worth um, 50,000 US dollars. So I'm going to transfer 50,000 US to your British account and you give my son a hundred thousand Zim in Zimbabwe. And that, that's how you do it. Okay. So you have to, you have a, you have a third party that you trust because you would never yeah. send that kind of cash to someone you didn't trust. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bank. No, you got to have, no, not a bank. You got to have somebody you trust. <clears throat> what, <laughs> um, the reason I'm asking is because from a practical point of view, I think cryptocurrency might be a big solution. For instance, the granddaddy of all crypto is Bitcoin. And yeah. I know it's, 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 to me, it's been a fairly stable currency over the last year, for sure. And it's gone up 50% in the last year. Uh-huh. Um, and the other crypto that, that I'm following and tracking and quite bullish on is Epic Cash. Right. So I sent you a link to Epic Cash. I just emailed it to you now. Okay. I want you to look at it because what if what if you what if you could send your son some epic cash? He all he has to do, of course, is just create a wallet and to use it functionally, he'd have to find a way to turn Bitcoin into Rhodesian dollars, which I'm sure is available somewhere in Rhodesia. Or he could easily just find somebody with he could, he could do a private transaction anywhere in his area and find someone who wants Bitcoin and has yeah. Rhodesian dollars. He, he could do that much more locally, is my point. Yeah, I, get, I hear what you mean. This, yeah, yeah. So you could send him Bitcoin or Epic Cash, depending on, and, and they're both good cryptocurrencies. And uh, then he could just go to even a local market and right on the spot, Flip that to can flip that to the Rhodesian dollar, whatever it is worth on at that day or on that hour. So, yep. So that yep. might be a very more powerful way to transfer wealth. So, it, might, it might well be. It might well be. That's interesting. I must talk to him about that. Yeah. It could I be. know that in Lebanon they have the same inflationary, out of control yep. problem with their lira. And most people have moved their money into U.S. dollars or Bitcoin yep. that have anything. And then you can literally, I don't even, I know, I don't even know, maybe there are Bitcoin cash machines in Rhodesia. I Maybe. Unlikely. I don't know. Does or you not, just find a private person. You maybe, do it privately, yeah. There are yeah. in Canada and they charge 13%. But I guess the more intelligent thing to do 
would be to find somebody local, someone you know or trust within your circle who may or may not have. And I only use Bitcoin as an example because it's the oldest and most familiar for most people. But there are other cryptos, including Epic Cash, which we have been pumping and promoting for the last year or two. And I'm not promoting it as a way to invest, but as a way to exchange value. It is fantastic. Mm, I'll look at that. I sent you a link. Yeah. I'm going to, I will look at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I have to go. I got a call coming up, but it was uh, really good chatting to you again. Okay. Look into it. I sent you the link. Any questions? Email me back. Take care. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Ian. Bye. That's all, folks.